I was short on time. I am currently the reader of grants, and I have an upcoming deadline to evaluate and make recommendations. So I drive 30 minutes to find a Mexican bakery that would have bolillo already toasted. I also needed piloncillo. It's not an item I regularly stock at home. Sometimes I can find both in what was our first brick and mortar Mexican bakery. Before that, we had La Señora Trine from Phoenix who made pan dulce from her home. She made semas, conchas, cochinitos. We discovered her when my husband worked at the bank as a bilingual teller. Once we found out she made pan dulce, we became regular clients. She made bread for several years out of just a regular oven until she got cancer. When I arrived to the first bakery, it seems permanently closed. The movable racks of trays are removed from their original wall spaces. They seem to crowd upon each other. One rack blocks the doorway. The original baker had died some months earlier. Had the bakery permanently closed? I jump into my car, start it up, and I'm off again, this time to the Mexican market. Sometimes they sell bread. Maybe they will have some. I know they will have piloncillo, and sure enough, when I get there, I find two packages. That's all I need. But there is no bread. I am thinking about time. The round trip just with driving will be an hour. Finding the bread quickly, however, will make up for the loss of time. I hop back in my car and zoom to the new bakery in town. It's been around for just a few months. There are various cars parked, and I take this as a good sign. I stride in, ready to claim my two bags. There are none. I ask the girl at the register if they have any toasted bolillo. She languidly asks the baker, and he says, Maybe Friday or Saturday. Maybe. For me, that is too late. I need the toasted bolillo today. It's Ash Wednesday. I need it for my capirotada. There will be no way around it. If I want to have some, there will be no shortcuts today. I usually don't make capirotada for Ash Wednesday because of my heavy workload. But right now, I am on sabbatical from teaching and committee work. And this should give me some more time, except per my usual way of being, even when I'm supposed to be more relaxed, I have volunteered to read these grants. I can't say that as a deadline approaches, I'm not regretting having said yes to this. I have also agreed to meet with some folks for a presentation on Native American representation at our local art museum. The graduate student is passionate about racial equity and education, and I admire his commitment and feel I can't say no. I go and decide that after my meeting, come hell or high water, I will be making capirotada. Because I share some with the deacon from our church, I need to have it done before Mass at 7 p.m. Once I get home, I begin my preparations that feel so much when I allow myself to take the time like a meditative act, like an act that calls in the presence of my various family members. I take out a four-quart saucepan. 
I place in my piloncillo, a cinnamon stick, water, a raja de cebolla. I learned this recipe from my mother, who learned this recipe from Abuelita Trine. Abuelita Trine was her mother-in-law. The first time my father saw my mother cut a slice of onion to go into what would be the syrupy sweet water concoction, he balked. He is not an onion lover. While he knew all the other ingredients in capirotada, he had repressed the inclusion of this singular one. My mother, to put an effective end to a surprise and protest, many years later, after Abuelita Trine had passed away and she was carrying on her tradition, assured him that she had removed the onion. And of course, when he had capirotada after dinner, onion and all, he did not only eat it, he enjoyed it. While the water boils and fills my home with its cinnamony sweet aroma, I slice the baguette that I have bought at the supermarket into one and a half inch slices. There wasn't any day-old bread available, which would have held up better. I did not have the foresight to buy my bread a day earlier. The grant deadline did not let me think beyond the day I am living. I fry my bread and butter in a large nonstick pan. It feels like the first real memory I have of eating and seeing capirotada is connected with being in Mexico, visiting Abuelita Trine. I am seven years old. I remember wearing a royal blue dress with zoo animals embossed in the top part. I wore white knee-high boots. Yeah, I looked pretty sharp. I was in the saguan sitting on my favorite low wooden chair that had a twine seat. I was reading from a school book we had traveled with. Earlier, I had been working on some packets my teacher had put together so that I would not be behind when I returned to school two weeks later. We had come to Mexico to visit our family, and in this visit, I was also going to be making my first communion with my cousins from my mom's side. My grandmother and mother had been working in the kitchen. I think my Aunt Yolanda was there too, but my cousin Danielito was about a year old, so she might have been busy with him. Anyway, they were busy dorando el pan, cooking the syrupy water in which the fried bread would be dunked in. I remember eating capirotada when it was done. The bread was crispy on top. There were raisins, coco rallado, and my favorite at the time, grajea, multicolored and delightful. Tortillas served as a layer of support for the bread in the lower layers that always got kind of mushy. Tucked in were chunks of cheese my grandmother carefully put in. At the time, I'm going to be honest, I did not like the cheese in the capirotada. It felt alien to the rest of the delicious sweetness. But today, as an adult, I love it, and I try to add in some piece of Mexican cheese that I have hoarded in my freezer. Remnants of gifts from visiting family my mother has shared with me. One year, when my son was four or five, I had forgotten the cheese until my son reminded me, Mom, all good capirotada needs to have Mexican cheese. From my abuelita Trina Sawan, I remember seeing my cousin Patti come over. 
She was younger than me, but already running errands for her mother. Bati had already been to Mass. She had an ash cross on her forehead. I remember Abuelita Trine giving her a frasco filled with capirotada that she would take to her mother, my mother's sister. Capirotada in a frasco always makes me want to laugh because it doesn't look pretty. It almost looks like a stool sample. I too once shared a jar of capirotada with someone who did not know what it was, and as I'm sure you can guess, I got a funny look. I couldn't blame them. I was like, hey, really, you are going to enjoy the taste of this. Don't judge it by its looks. I now give capirotada to people that don't know what it is in a pan. I have carefully greased my pan. I have layered it with tortillas. I've taken el pan dorado and dunked it in the syrupy water. I've strategically placed pasas on the bread slices. Pasas I have taken the time to plump up in warm water. I've placed cheese and then repeated the process to have another layer on top. While I don't put in almendras, which my abuelita Cuca loved, my mother's mother, or cacahuate, which Tio Vicente really likes, I remember them. I wonder if Tio Vicente has finished his capirotada. I'm sure he will be sharing some with his children. I put mine in the oven to bake for 45 minutes so that the top of the bread will be sweet and crispy. After mass, it will still be warm, and I will have it with grajea on top and a tall glass of milk. (laughs) 